Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories and welcome to part two of my interview with Greg Snow. If you haven't had a chance, head over and listen to part one first because we're going to dive right in. kind of touched on one of the hard things about this lifestyle I guess but what would you say would what would you say is the best part about living the kind of lifestyle that you have oh geez uh just raising my family the way where they are you know my daughter she's she's 31 now and she told us she's told us multiple times since she's been a young adult she said I you know I couldn't ask for the the that was the best growing up a kid could ever ask for, you know, being on the ranch. And of course, she was a daddy's girl, so she hung with me a lot and <laughs> cowboyed a lot and roped a lot. But I, it was just a really neat way to, you know, raise your family and, you know, not being in the city and whatnot. You know, I taught her to drive. Hell, she was driving a stick shift when she was going to grade school. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. Was really neat, and she got, you know, my, she got to be around some really neat older guys like Kent Craven and Brian Morris, and 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 just grew up in a, you know, super good community in Kings River, and you know those little ranching valleys. You know, it's all about timing when you happen to hit there, and she hit there when there were some kids her age, and you know we had a little league basketball, and that I coached for them, and and. You know, we we didn't spend a lot of money on the weekends other than junior rodeo. But anyway, we spent a lot of time just fishing and, you know, camping and being with friends. And and uh, it's kind of funny, you know, when you, you grow up, you have pretty good friends through high school and grade school or, or you know, kids that you think are your really good friends. And hopefully some of them still are. But then when you get into what, whatever your chosen field of work is or your life, you know, you meet people that are end up being like your true friends and secondary families, I guess you'd say. And that that was probably the best part of the way we grew up. So, or way I raised my family anyway. So, I like that. It also sounds like you have kind of been all over the place uh, working for different ranches. And I was just wondering if there's any one place in particular that stands out as as the prettiest or the coolest place that you've ever been? The best, well, I'll, I'll answer that in two parts. The best ranch I've been on, and I was able to be the cowboy there for 10 years, is the YP Ranch. By far the best ranch I've been on, and, and the best people, John and Renee Jackson, the owners and managers are just fantastic people and family, and it was, it was the hardest place I've ever left, for sure. And I, and I only left I was getting older, and I had an opportunity to get some cattle of my own and try to do some stuff for myself. And did that for a couple of years, and found out that's highly overrated. But, <laughs> but no, that was that was by far the best ranch and neatest place I've been on. One of the 
coolest places I've ever been. I still think about was when I went to Oregon Canyon Ranch and up on the mountain between Oregon Canyon and it was up on the Trout Creek Mountains. Between it and the White Horse Ranch is White Horse Canyon, and it's just a phenomenal canyon to, to look on. And then when you look out across there, you can see the Steens Mountains on the other side of the Alborg Desert, and that's probably my my, my favorite. Favorite place I've ever been. My wife and I used to go up there quite a bit just to just to check it out. It, it, it was really a neat set country for me. That's cool. So, yeah, yeah. That was you know, Keynes Mountains always have a little snow on the top almost year round, and and the White Horse Canyon was just a you know, it's not as big as the Snake River or anything like that, but it was a fantastic canyon to look at. I I really love that country over there, and and probably the Owyhee Desert on Parts of the YP and the IL, I, I like that high desert out across there is a favorite place of mine. Can you tell us a little bit, a little bit more about the YP, like maybe a little bit of history on it and how many head of cattle you could run on it? And yeah, the YP, uh, it, it was started by the Gratt family in the latter 1800s. I'll tell you one thing about the YP is is really significant. If you look at the history of any ranches, a lot of them have been owned by a lot of places, especially in Nevada here. Um, maybe not as much in Texas or Arizona where there's a lot of deed ground, but up here, you know, these ranches have a lot, but the YP has had two owners in the whole history of it. Really? Yep. And the Jacksons still own it now, and, and John and Renee's children are very much and it'll go for another generation or so. So that's that's the cool part. But anyway, it started with the Garats, and I might be a little rusty on this, but they had it until 1939, I'm wanting to say. Um, could be off a year or two when Mr. Jackson bought the ranch, and he added some other little ranches that were around it and 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 build it into the Batan Ranch that it is now. They call it the Batan. Uh, the white piece, just the iron. The Batan came from Mr. Jackson's was Pete, and his wife was Ann, so henceforth Batan. <laughs> okay. And I would like to have met met him. He he was. Uh, I I was privileged to see a lot of pictures of. You know, when he bought the Patan, it was either the YP, this is called the YP. It was pretty raw. It was just a basic northern Nevada ranch, had cricks kind of dribbling down through the meadows and, you know, not a lot of fields. It wasn't cut up too much. And then I believe he was an engineer um, by trade and he went in there. And I mean, this was in the 1940s and 50s and, and did things so ahead of his time as far as. Removing the topsoils off the meadows, straightening the creeks, putting in underground water systems, um, putting the topsoil back on and planting meadows. I mean, the meadows are just, you know, fantastic. I mean, they're 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 beyond anything you know I've ever been around. And build a lot of reservoirs to control the water. Which when I first worked there, I didn't appreciate it when I was young. Cause I just wanted to cowboy. <laughs> I was able to go back when I was older. I 
realized, you know, what a what a great job he had done, and and uh, things you probably couldn't get away with now. But um, anyway, I remember seeing a picture of him just sitting out in the brush and looking at a gap, and it ended up being a reservoir he you know he he put in, and they were able to control so much water and uh, um. And and for a big ranch, it's as smooth, you know, it's as smooth operated as you could ever be. You know, a lot of big ranches are, you know, a pile of work and lots of hours to get the work done. But the way the ranch, the way he set that ranch up, it, it, it runs smooth. Very smooth. But anyway, uh, they had it until he passed away. And, and they had people managing the ranch from not inside the family, you know, even though he owned it and made a lot of calls, they always had ranch managers. And somewhere it had to be, let me think here, somewhere around 87 or so, because John, who's there now, is the same age as I am. When he got out of college, um, he applied for the ranch manager's job there and has been there ever since. And, and runs it real well. And, uh, you know, grew up in the ranching, the ranching business, and and knows what it takes. You know, the the nuts and bolts to make a ranch run is is guess what I'm getting at. So, but no, it's that sounds a, like a cool place. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a neat place, and, and like I said, it makes you glad that you know there's there's not a lot of family ranches left. You know, especially on the on the big end of it, and and. Uh, Anyway, I won't. I won't give any numbers or anything because that's probably not any of my business. <laughs> yeah. Do. But, uh, it's large enough you can buckaroo full time there anyway. So. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, that that's far and away the best. You know, the, I've had a lot of jobs and cowboyed around a lot, but that was dang sure, dang sure my favorite right there. And and it was at a time I'd I'd, I'd been to Kings River and, and got to do a lot of try a lot of things and some work. Didn't and, and uh, then was at Oregon Canyon for four years and uh, um, when I was when I was offered the YP job I went there because I knew I, I knew at that time that if you planned your days well kept your work out ahead of you and did things there's no reason you can't work on a big outfit and not have to work like a slave I guess you know. Uh, and I had a chance to implement a lot of cowmanship work that I thought would work and and things to make the cow work easier and was mature enough to to understand the circles and, and you know how to make a how to make a crew work together and and to make it smooth and it was a great you know and John gave me a lot of free reign to do the things I wanted to do and and I felt real good about it. So. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was. In your opinion, do you think that uh, cowboys or buckaroos are as good today as they were back in the day? Yes and no. You know, I think dang sure these, you know, younger guys that I was able to work around, you know, dang sure have some skills. Um, I, don't, I don't know that. It doesn't seem there's as much opportunity for them to buckaroo. You know, I think these guys can dang sure ride 
ride good and, and dang sure rope good. You know, they're, they're going to pile all these ranch rodeos these guys are going to, and I mean, they are tough. But I don't know that they got to work with some of the mentors that people my age got to work with and maybe work as much outside, you know, with, you know, learning to make make a circle and a drive, you know, how to go through a fall work. And, and uh, I, I just don't know that they got to do as much of that, if that makes sense to you, you know, work a lot of road deers. You know, I mean, a lot of guys can go into a road deer and get the cows out you want. Then you go work a road deer with somebody like Jerry Souza or Randy Everett, and they'll get it done so slick you didn't, you know, you, you can't hardly see what they're doing unless you're paying attention. You know, I don't know that, I don't know that there's enough real experienced guys that are, that are cow bossing or managing these bigger ranches that these young people get to learn from. Does that make sense? Yeah. See that kind of stuff, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's hard to, kind of hard to explain, you know, you look at the guy over there, he's making a lot of dust and riding his horse really fast. And you think, man, that guy's really getting after it. And he's good. And then you look over here and this guy's got, got so many pairs worked out and his, you know, his horse hadn't even sweated a saddle blanket yet. You know, and that's the guy you need to be watching. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing. And I don't think it's any, the younger guy's fault. I just don't think it's, they've got to, you know, be around some of the people that I was privileged to be around. And then when you do get the chance to be around those people, you got to pay attention and watch what's going on, you know, so. Do you think that way of life is is dying out, or do you think it's still going strong? To me, I think it's dying a little bit. I don't want to be negative. I just, I, I don't see as many jobs out there anymore or, or these big ranches running as big a cruise and and getting away from older people that maybe have a lot of experience that could teach a lot of these young people, you know, they're going for a more younger educated. I I just don't, you know, you know, when I was first cowboy and hardly any of us had a car, you know, we, we didn't care about a car and a horse trainer and, and, and personal horses. I mean, that didn't matter. We just wanted a cowboy and tried to be good at it. And you seeked out people that made you better. And, and I, I just feel some of these young guys aren't, you know, aren't seeing that. And I've listened to a few of your podcasts, you know, you, you, you listen to Ed Asher's stories and when he was growing up and you hear a lot of the same names, no matter whether he's at Babbitt's or the Diamond A's or the ORO, wherever he's working, you hear these same names come up, you know. Yeah. Uh, Artie Gould, Ben Fanch, or, you know, name a few of them. You don't see that anymore. And there was the same up in this country. You know, there was a roving bunch of these middle-aged professional cowboys who were on these ranches everywhere. And if you mind your P's and Q's, you know, they would help you out and you could watch them and, and you could learn a lot. And, uh, and I and I don't see as many of the professional cowboys, and that's another pet peeve of mine. You know, you look at a lot of these ranch, these big ranch jobs. You know, they want you to, you know, they want to hire you to cow. They don't want you just a cowboy. They want you to be able to drive the four wheeler, and they want you to be able to run a backhoe and, and work in the shop, and 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 you know, do these other jobs. And damn you if you're a cowboy. But you hire on to one of these ranches, and you're like, hey, I'm a mechanic. I'm a good mechanic, and I'm a mechanic. I don't work cows. I don't 
hey, I'm a king. They're like, perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for. <laughs> I hmm. just, and I like to run equipment. And I'm good at it. I don't mind putting up a little hay, but I want to run back on cat, you know, whatever the deal is. And that's perfect. That's what we want you for. And you hire on big outfit and you want to be a cowboy. And they're like, oh, geez, you know, he just wants to be on his horse, you know, and I, it just didn't be that way as much, and and uh, I and I, don't, I don't know why it's that way. I, I understand if you're on a smaller place and you have to do everything. I can do everything. I can run a dozer and a backhoe and all that stuff too. But I mean, I'm working on a big ranch, big cowboy outfit. That's what we're talking about, cowboy. Yeah. You know, so that's a good point that I hadn't really thought of before. Yeah, yeah. You know, you go to work in a mine and you're like, hey, I'm a heavy equipment operator. By God, you run heavy equipment. You don't work in the lab. Yeah. Or, or you know, in other parts, that's that's what you do, you know. And then for some reason, they've shunned that on cowboys on a lot of these big places. And, and I, you know, maybe that's part of what's hurt these guys a little bit. So, mm. but, no, I. Well, when you think about your, when you think back and look about all the different places that you've worked and where you've been, are there any memories in particular that stand out to you? Yeah, there's there's so many. I'm getting old enough I can't remember them all. But uh, <laughs> one 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 thing that was really neat. I, I know when when you interviewed Luke, he he talked about trailing those horses from Squaw Valley to the White House. Yeah, something people might not see much, but. The first time I worked at the YP, and um, we were uh, coming in from the wagon. We were camped at State Line. It was the last day of the wagon, so we rolled up our teepees and beds and all that. And um, I believe it was 36 or 38 miles from State Line to 7J, and that was where the Cowboys lived. And T.J. Thompson and I and Mike Thomas trailed the horses home. Everybody else, you know, brought the camp in. I remember we were going out across that Nevada desert and, and we were paralleling the gravel road out there. And I bet we had 90, at least 90 head of horses and we almost had them strung out head to tail. I mean, there might've been a couple going next to each other, but it was a dangdest. I mean, it was, it was something that I hadn't seen much. And, you know, a lot of people won't be able to see that. And, and the sad part about it was, is uh, my wife, it came out the night before. There was no women on the wagon, but they, my wife and then uh, came out the night before and helped kind of clean up the camp and then uh, do my bed and all that. And I think Dominguez's pickup, and they're driving home. And was, we didn't have cell phones or anything, but she had one of those disposable cameras. Mm-hmm. They pulled out in the brush and, and, and took pictures of this. Um, you know, oh, the, that's cool. Yeah, and then our film got exposed and we never got a picture of it. I've always thought about that, how cool that would have looked. But yeah, we trailed those, you know, those horses home and, you know, unless you've trailed horses before, it's really a neat deal. And another time, speaking of trailing horses, when I was at the PS, uh, as a cow boss, we stayed at a summer camp called Coyote and we had most of the cows sent home by then. We'd trail them home and do our fall works. And, and uh, as we came from camp down, we'd bring a horse or two with us. But we ended up with, you know, probably half the cabbie was left up there. And then we had a field there. We ran all the um, yearling twos and three-year-old colts in. And we'd start them that summer up there and give them a few rides. And I don't know. We probably had 
40, 50 head, you know, counting all the young horses and the leftover geldings. And uh, a friend of mine, Terry Gibb, who worked there with your dad also, he and I went up there and we had two guys drop us, or a guy drop us off, and him and I trailed those horses home um, from Coyote to home. And it was it was a little bit of a running deal for a while. Those colts had never been trailed too much, you know, but they <laughs> those old geldings and, and we cut cross country and trailed those horses home. And it was a, you know, something a guy doesn't see very much anymore. So it paints a cool picture in my mind. That'd be something that'd be neat to see. Oh yeah. They'd, uh, he's going cross country. and They'd down a fence line and those colts, they would want a side hill down the hill and we're <laughs> up the hill, excuse me. And then we'd start down and then they'd run like hell and then they'd slow. <laughs> <laughs> It was good though. So, but. did you did you ever own any personal horses, or would you just ride the horses that were at the ranch? Yeah, I've got I've got some personal horses now. Um, or I've had them from time to time. But no, when I when I was buckarooing around, I everybody had so many horses on those ranches. You know, you they they wouldn't allow outside horses and. Uh, so no, I just rode company horses all the time. And then when I was at Kings River, I, I picked up a couple of horses of my own and then rode some of theirs, you know, at that time. But no, the big outfits at that time they had they had more horses than you could ride. And you know, a lot of those cavies were closed then. They didn't want outside horses, you know, and mm. just those horses hadn't been exposed, you know, to the outside world too much. And Yeah. And you know, there was there wasn't the ranch rodeos then. And I remember the first ranch rodeo here in Elko, they had out Spring Creek out of Elko. And there was so much fun, you know, because it was just all the branch guys came in. Most of those horses had never been in a box or, you know, <laughs> indoors. And it was a lot, you know, it was a lot of fun. You know, now they're they're super duper competitive. You know, they're tough. So. Yeah. But. Could you tell a difference in the in the horses from place to place that you went? Oh, for sure. You know, when you're traveling around on the ranches, I mean, that's a big part of, you know, it wasn't looked down upon to quit and go to another ranch at that time. Lots of jobs. You know, all the ranches were running cookhouses and uh, iron big crews. And that was a lot as you wanted to go work with, you know, such and such cow boss or such and such crew. You wanted to ride somebody's horses. You know, at that time, when I got here, I... I, I thought that at that time the TS horses were by far the best horses I'd been on. They were they were super good. Um, they kind of had a cow boss or two that came when I was first there that wasn't real reputable. So you know the the better cowboys didn't come. But I, I always thought the TS had the best horses. And then you know I, I never worked at the ZX, but the ZX still has a wonderful horse program, and Wade Cooper's been in charge of it for years. And Everybody I've known, friends of mine that worked there, said, said, said those are the best horses by far. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but yeah, that was a big part. You know, you wanted to, you know, you wanted to go to Ellison's. You wanted to, you know, ride traveling horses and horses that might test whether you want to be a cowboy or not. That's where you went. You know, and there was a place in Oregon called Rock Creek and Millers at that time, and whew, they were tough. I mean, if you you thought you were a cowboy or maybe a little bit of a bronc stomper, you know, you you could find out real fast if that was going to be. But no, horses, <laughs> horses, are, 
Yeah, that was a big part. You know, the OROs always had a reputation of really good horses in Arizona, you know, and at one time Babbitt, you know, they, they had the toughest horses you could ride, and then they changed that to having some of the best horses you can ride, you know, so. Hmm. No, that's, that was definitely a big holding point now, and then this the last couple of years, I've just been day working and contracting work and, and trying to kind of work for myself, but that horse market's out of the roof. You know, you try to day work for a couple hundred a day and then buying those horses. Holy mackerel. The ones I can afford, I can't ride anymore. Those are water riding. Yeah. Definitely horse flesh is, you know, uh, was, was a big drawing point for sure. That's cool. Yeah. What is the funnest thing that you ever had to rope? Uh, horses by far. Yeah, it's uh I've, I've never roped anything exotic. I'm, I've chased a coyote or two, but never fast enough or accurate enough. But uh, <laughs> no, horse roping, um, um, not that I would chase any out in the brush or anything, but yeah, there they are a lot of, when I was at the YP, uh, it was probably the best horse roping I'd been on because I, I was friends with Wally Blossom and he raised a lot of horses up in Hawaii and he'd invite us to, the crew to come up and we'd uh, rope all his young colts and brand them and warm them. And uh, then the next day we'd rope all his stud horses. And what Wally would do is he wouldn't cut those studs till they were four or five years old. Cause really? Yeah, because he raises bucking horses. And he wanted them to get a big neck on them. And, you know, of course, you might have a stud there that really fires good. So you might want to keep him a stud. So we would... I think the last year I went there, you know, I don't know this number exactly, but I remember we roped maybe 120 young horses in one day. Wow. Branded them and gelded them. Then we went back, and I, I'm not sure how many of the big, the big stud horses we roped and cut, but it was it was a handful. So <laughs> I remember I took two new ropes, and they were both burned up at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like it would be fun. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is about roping horses, whether it be in an arena or, you know, I, I mean, I like I like arena roping horses. You know, they, they've got some ranch rodeos up here and, of course, Jordan Valley and stuff where you rope out of a box. But just roping those colts and four-footing them in a corral, I, I, I really enjoy that a lot, you know, so. And uh, it's, it's a good adrenaline rush. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever get into any big wrecks throughout your life? Um, not anything real big. Some real close ones. Uh, I've been fortunate to not have been hurt too bad or laid up too. Mo- mostly my feelings, you know. <laughs> you know, some ribs and things like that. And and uh, things have been bucked off more than I rode them. I know that. So. <laughs> yeah. Little <laughs> bit. I. I had a, 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 a real close one that I, that I can still remember, and it, it scared me pretty good. And, and I, happily, nothing happened out of it. But when I was at the TS uh, first year or so, I I had a horse that was he, he was a good horse. I really liked him, but he he dang sure dang sure was a cowboy horse, and you dang sure didn't want to get in a you know a rope wreck with him or. Something like that. I mean, and, and I liked him a lot. He he could buck. I couldn't ride him. He bucked me off whenever he wanted. So, but anyway, uh, we decided we we're gonna 
guy on the crew decided he was going to rope a cow for whatever reason. We're just trailing the long board and he roped this big old dry cow <laughs> and uh, he got her dallied up there and facing away and so I came in there on the, on the right side and was going to throw a heel trap in there and I got just right up there and, and I don't know if he lost kind of lost his turns a little bit but that that cow came backwards past my horse and he got her stopped and the rope hooked right between the top of your stirrup and your stirrup leather like oh right yeah and this horse went bonkers <laughs> and I went to bucking up the bucking up his rope and thank goodness he lost he, he you know let go of his dallies right then and he took out through the brush and I all I can remember is feeling that rope zinging through my stirrup right there and uh, was just dead sure that you know it was going to half hitch my foot to the stirrup and then I was going to be tied off to him right under his hind feet and a cow on the other end <laughs> and, uh, I'm scared you know it happened so fast and he scattered out through there and the last of 60 foot went zinging through my foot and then he launched me out in the greasewood and everybody <laughs> <laughs> but I'll never forget that it did it scared me pretty good right there. <laughs> I but, bet. But no, I've been fortunate enough. I've you know tipped a few horses over and and you know been kicked a time or two and but you know nothing made nothing major. You know, few few ribs and some pride for sure. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember. I I'll probably butcher the story, but I remember my dad talking about. Um, when he was at the TS and somebody was trailing, you guys were trailing cows somewhere and somebody roped a cow, but he was on a smaller horse or it was a big cow or something and she kind of took off and he couldn't stop her and they kind of went up through the middle of the bunch and he said he could just remember this guy's suit coat kind of flapping in the wind as he's yelling, somebody rope her. Somebody roped that son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember that I won't say who the soup coat was. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, well, I think I've asked all the questions that I was meaning to, but I don't want to cut you off. If there's anything else you feel like you want to share, yeah, I, 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 I guess in close, I mean, I really respect the cowboys that I was fortunate enough to be around, and and the ones I've met later in life, and you know, I'd like to acknowledge. A few of the, a few of the good. I know I'm going to forget some guys, but you know there's a few of them out there that, you know, I've been good friends with Steve Benbo a long time. He's a cow boss at Maggie Creek, and we kind of started at the same time. And and uh, there's not a lot of us that started all at the same time together. You know, a lot of them have done other things, but Steve stayed at it his whole life and done it, and been a great friend of mine. And 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 Luke Bowmeister, you know, really good, really good cowboys. I was fortunate to work with. Um had a lot of fun this this last spring. I was day working at Maggie Crick and Randy Everett and Jerry Souza are there and, and of course Steve and it, it it was so fun to work with those guys. You know, you don't have to wonder where they're gonna be or talk about what they're gonna do and, and, and great to brand calves with. And uh um TJ Thompson and Frank Dominguez were Good friends of mine, a little bit younger than me, but gosh, they started cowboying when they were so young, and and they're still in the business of it, and super good to be around, and you know, be cowboys, you know, anywhere, and 
anywhere they wanted to be. So, I, another good friend of mine, Dave Best, uh, I cowboyed a lot with Dave, and, and he gave up the cowboying years ago just to, you know, raise a family and that. But we still spend a lot of time together. He lives in Billings, Montana, and now he's got me fly fishing, so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. He could out cowboy me, now he out fishes me. Son of a gun. <laughs> but no, there's a, you know, there's still still quite a few of them out, you know, a few of them out there left that are, you know, still trying to make a living at it. And, and uh, they were all great to work around and, and, to, and to be around. And, you know, another deal that, you know, I'm almost I'm 59 now, close to 60, but I'll just touch on this a little bit. Um, when, I, when I was around the King the Kings River McDermott area, uh, John Ugaldi was a great friend of mine, has a nice little ranch right there in Kings River. And, and when I was around McDermott, I got to be around Steve Mayer and his son, Tim Mayer, who's just a year or two older than my daughter, and they have a nice ranch they they put together and are still building on. And then the Wilkinson family is there in McDermott and been there a long time. And 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 Nick Nick's Wilkinson's about my age and his son's my daughter's age. And I saw a picture of them over New Year's, and I don't know they were playing cards or something. But I thought how neat it was to see that those three ranches will definitely go another generation with very good family-raised cowboys. And, and, you know, a lot of these, some of these family ranches, you know, there's some of the kids aren't interested in them anymore and uh, they're, they're phasing out, but it was, it was neat for me to see that, that, Hey, the next generation's covered right now. So I was, I, I thought that was real special. So. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was neat. They're all in their thirties and married and, have young kids and parents don't have to worry about what's going to happen to the ranch. So they're all very good cowboys. So, yeah. yeah. That's good. But so. Well, I, like I said, I, I appreciate your time a lot. I'm grateful that you're able to sit down and visit with me. Yeah, that was, that was real fun. That concludes my interview with Greg Snow. If you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Also, to put a face behind the name to everybody that we have talked with on the podcast, you can head over to our Instagram page. It's at CowboyStories underscore podcast. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 